0: we are heading into the Christmas season today. We're kicking off a new series that we're calling Behold, The Wonder of Christmas. And with this series, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm really excited about it personally. Uh, This December, we're actually partnering with two of our closest friends right here in Bowling Green. Covenant Church and Brookside Church and we're doing a pastor swap. We're doing this series together and uh, this morning specifically we are having the pastor of Brookside, Kevin Crawford, teach at H2O as I'm speaking at Covenant Church and we are really excited about this because as Christmas came uh, the three of us pastors and, and really our church and leadership teams wanted to push into the idea of unity as we lead up to Christmas and so we thought what better way to do that than to share a series and even share pastors during this season and so so today I want to introduce uh, Pastor Kevin to you. Kevin's really become a good friend of mine. We actually joke with him a little bit that he is the Bishop of Bowling Green because truly he has a heart for unity and a heart for shepherding even the other pastors in Bowling Green. So I meet with him as well as other pastors once a month to just pray for our community and our town. And Kevin has been a catalyst for making that happen. So I've loved watching him uh, lead his wife. He has four awesome boys and uh, he's just been a great example to this whole town as to what it looks like to pastor. So with that being said, why don't you give Kevin a nice warm H2O welcome as he makes his way to stage.
1: Good morning. It's great to be with you. I love H2O. I love what God's been doing through the decades through the ministry of H2O and planting churches and seeing people come to know Jesus, their lives transformed. Pastor Brian and your other pastors I are dear to my heart. We have great unity by the love we have for one another the world will know that we are his disciples. And that's what we desire here in Bowling Green and beyond. That there is one church, but we have different missions and purposes, all about Jesus. So just excited for this series and as we culminate that on Christmas Eve as well. Um, But we're going to talk about Behold, the wonder of Christmas. So I just want you to think for a moment, when you were a kid... Did you anticipate Christmas in a great way? Was there that one gift that you just really wanted for Christmas and you were on the edge of your seat or the edge of your life just anticipating that one gift? Well, I grew up in the 80s and, uh, sorry, I was just joking as I just put my age, that was a little loud, but I grew up in the 80s and Star Wars, even Star Wars has made a comeback, but I just wanted Star Wars figures. And all the things with were Star Wars. And I remember the Christmas that the Millennium Falcon came out for the first time. It was this big thing like this. And I found out where my parents hid gifts. Now, my parents are here today. I don't even know if they've heard this story. But I wanted the Millennium Falcon, so I searched and looked in the house. And I finally found it in my parents' walk-in closet behind their clothes. So I knew on Christmas I was going to get the Millennium Falcon. So I was super excited. Yet, the excitement was less because I knew about the gift that was there, right? Compared to another Christmas that we were waiting in the hallway, and I don't know if it was in your house, sometimes you kind of wait in the hallway or wait on the stairs and your parents invite you into the place where all the gifts are laid out and there's this excitement. I remember waiting in the hallway one time and we rounded the corner and my brother and I had brand new bikes that Santa Claus had brought. And it was exciting because I didn't know that we were going to, and it was just this Utter excitement because I did not expect that wonderful gift. That compared differently compared to the time I I knew I was going to get the Millennium Falcon. You see, I think this is what Christmas is about for some of us. Some of us kind of know what Christmas is about. We know Jesus and the birth, and we kind of get caught up of yada, 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 Jesus wrapped in a manger, surrounded by donkeys, yes, a star and mangers, and all these things. Kind of like, yeah, the Millennium Falcon's coming. But what would it be like this Christmas season if we were in the hallway waiting, on the stairs waiting for that gift and getting a different perspective of the wonder of Christmas? You know, we, we named the series Behold because it's the different perspectives that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. This morning, I have the opportunity to look at Luke chapter 2 and the, the uh, shepherd's perspective on Christmas. Next week, Brian will be here and talking about Herod's perspective. And then Kyle Burkholder will be coming in and talking about Mary's perspective on Christmas. But we all have these different perspectives on Christmas When we're young and kids, we're excited, and then you kind of get teenage years, and you're like, yeah, whatever, just get me an iPhone, mom and dad. Or, you know, all these different perspectives, and we come in this room with different perspectives based on life circumstances. Some of you might come in this room and look at Christmas season and go, I don't look forward to it because of a traumatic event that happened around the holidays. A year ago, I lost my grandma this time of year. So as I approach Christmas, my grandma who loved Christmas and decorated her house and had great anticipation and joy for the family, it's on my mind. And that colors Christmas. And maybe you have those events that color it. And we have these different perspectives that come into our hearts and minds with Christmas. But I want us this morning to look at the perspective of Jesus, of the shepherds, and what that would look like. And the big idea is this, I think from the shepherd's perspective is this. Looking at Christmas story should shock us out of the slumber of the routine of life into a life of purpose. Shock us. Like, boom. So I I hope this morning as we look at this story that it kind of jerks you. It's like when you're walking through a dark hallway and somebody turns the bright lights on, it kind of shocks you. Or you're walking through a dark room and you stub your toe and it shocks you in a different way. So in Luke chapter 2 we see the story that Jesus has been born in the first part of Luke chapter 2 Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is this backwoods town in Israel. It is nothing spectacular. I've been there. It's spectacular because it's a it's a place to go now, but in the, in the day it was like a one stop light, one stop sign town. There is nothing spectacular about Bethlehem. And Jesus is born in this backwoods town surrounded by this darkness of the night. And I want to take you. Imagine for yourself, you're out in a dark field, in the bright stars of the night. And I know you've been there, away from the city lights. Maybe you've been there, or you've been in a planetarium, and all you see the spectacular stars of night. Just about four weeks ago, I was at 10,000 feet in Maui. I was roughing it for Jesus. <laughs> but it was three o'clock in the morning, and my wife and I we went up to this volcano, Haleakala, before the sunrise. And it was the most spectacular view of the stars I've ever had. No city lights around, just the brilliance of the shooting stars and the calmness of the night and the coolness of the breeze. Put yourself there. That's where the shepherds were on this night that Jesus was born. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch of their flock. So they're in the dark of night, and they're shepherds. Now, if you know your Bible a little bit, shepherds are kind of important in the Bible. David was a shepherd. God calls himself a shepherd. Jesus, the chief shepherd of the church. But in this culture that Jesus was born into, shepherds had no social status. They were lowlifes. Some of them were thieves. And in this moment, in the darkness of the cool of the night, the shepherds, who are the low lives of the culture, have an experience, a shock to their re- ordinary lives, that their lives will forever be changed because of what's just to happen in just a moment. They're in the fields, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. No kidding. This is not a little angel sitting on a shoulder. If you look at Isaiah chapter 6, the, and it shows a picture of the, the throne room of God and, and what angels are like and the, the magnificent beauty and grandeur and, and greatness of an angel, of a messenger of God, boom, the lights show on in the midst of the coolness and the calmness of the darkness of night, boom, out of nowhere, they're shocked, and messenger from God has appeared to the lowlifes of the culture. If God was going to send a messenger, if I were God, I wouldn't call the lowlifes of the culture. I wouldn't come to them first. Glad I'm not God. God had a different plan because he chooses every ordinary person to speak to them to change the world upside down. He chose shepherds, the lowlifes of the culture, to announce this incredible news of one who's been born. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I'm a nobody. I can't, God can't do anything with me. He chose the shepherds to announce this news to. And the shepherds, will see in the story, announce a news. So a nobodies are going to go tell everybody about God in a body. So God can use you. So these shepherds are there and the glory shown around them. And this glory is Magnificent. And a great fear came upon them. I remember in high school, I had an opportunity to go with my young life leader. To, is he was speaking in, in Michigan. And we're driving at night, and these green and yellow and blue lights start to appear at night. They were the northern lights, but I had never seen them. At the same time, there were these books called Left Behind going around. <laughs> so here I am. I had read these Left Behind books, which means Jesus is coming. Don't read them for good theology. Just read them for entertainment. But anyways... And these lights, so I'm like, whoa, this is different. Jesus coming back. And that pales into comparison to this great fear. Don't you love it that shepherds, it explains they have a great fear because I would be pooping my pants, let's just be honest, if this showed around me. A great fear. But listen to what the angels do. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not, behold. So in the slumber and routine of sitting on a rock, Watching their sheep at night. In the slumber of the routine, God awakens them, if you want to say. And maybe you're in the slumber and routine of Christmas. Yeah, Black Friday, and I got to get this gift, and I got to get home from, you know, I got to do my finals, and then I got to get home, and then I got to see my girlfriend or boyfriend that I, I left behind or something like that. But what, all these routines of the Christmas season, what if we looked at the story and God awakened us in the slumber of the routine to really grasp Jesus? And I think that's what he wants for us. And it says this, what is the news? What is the story about Christmas announced to these common, ordinary men in a field that drastically transformed their life like we saw in a video recently? It says this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people I bring you good news. This is actually in the Bible, the word gospel, but I don't think he's really meaning gospel here. He's just mean this is really good news. This is not bad news. It is good news that one is born in a world of CNN headlines and Fox News headlines of absolutely horrible news. I mean, you never turn on the news and be like, man, I just want to watch a good, good, joyful story today. <laughs> I just do. It used to be in the olden days, the 6 o'clock news would have a little story at the end of the 6 o'clock news about a puppy who was rescued out of a tree. Well, actually, a cat, probably. (laughs) Just a really good, heartfelt story. But you turn on any news network, it is just bad news, bad news, bad news. And this angel says, this is good news. And to these shepherds and to the nation of Israel that was under the tyranny of the Roman Empire and oppressed, when it says, this is good news, of great joy, the news of Jesus is of great joy. Not just a little bit of joy. It's not just happiness that is temporary. It is a joy that resounds in the hearts and souls of people because they encounter Jesus. It is great joy, and he says, for all the people. Now, when the angels announce this, it's probably for all the people of Israel, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, he's meaning here, but it's for all the people. This good news of great joy is not limited to any one of the world. This message goes to every single person. Everyone is worthy of this news, great news of joy for everyone because God is for every single human being. He came to dwell amongst us, to experience everything, to experience pain and suffering and temptation. God and Abad because He's for every single human being. And this is, news is announced to sleepy shepherds in a field. And it's jarring them, I think. Boom. Good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city, of da- in the, David, the city of David as Savior. And maybe if you've been around church, you kind of hear this phrase. Yes, in the city of David, the Savior is born. But put yourself in that field, in that moment, a Savior is born. One who will redeem and rescue. And I think probably their mind is they feel this pressure of the Roman Empire oppressing them and pushing down. And they're looking for a king to come free them like King David. A strong, tangible king to, do, to release them from the tyranny that's right before them. Yet God had a bigger plan of redeeming and rescuing a savior that would release us from the bondage of sin, Satan, death, and our own flesh. And that's the savior that comes. He says, this Savior, so part of the meditation, part of the beholding, behold, look, intensely, meditate, would you this Christmas take some of these words, a Savior, would you sit and savor the idea that God became one of us as a Savior from the things that we become entrapped to and ultimately death because of sin? Would that jar you? Would that shock you? And it goes on, not just a Savior, but who is the Christ, the Lord. This word Christ is not Jesus Christ, meaning his last name, like my name's Kevin Crawford. Sometimes we're like, whoa, what is this? Jesus has a first name and last name. It is a title unto him. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the king. He is, he is the one to look at. Would you sit and savor the idea that he is the anointed one from the Father, sent from the Father to redeem and rescue us as human beings? Not only is he the Christ, he is the Lord. It's interesting because Caesar was named himself Lord as well. So here is another Lord that's going to challenge lordship, I mean, who we should put ourselves under. And when it's announced that he's Lord, what does it mean that he is Lord of our lives, that we put ourselves under him? We listen and learn and live under his lordship as disciples of Jesus. So the shepherds are hearing this news of a Savior, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who is from the line of David, and he's Lord. And it says this, and this will be assigned to you a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. What one of those words shocks you a little bit, or maybe should shock you? A Savior? Christ the anointed one, he is king of kings and lord of lords. What's the king of your life? What are you looking to to redeem and rescue you from your own difficulties? We all go to something. In my depression, I go to to anything that ends in (laughs) Eidos. Doritos, Fritos, Cheetos. That's my functional savior in the midst of a difficult time. We all have them. Would we look and be shocked that he fills that void of all the Edos in my life? <laughs> would we sit and ponder that they are shocked? That would you be shaken from the slumber of the routine of your life to gaze and behold Jesus? Again, afresh, and maybe for the first time in your life, if you're wondering who Jesus is this morning here at H2O, and we're glad you're here. But it didn't stop there. The backup singers arrive now. Not only was it this angel that became a message, but it goes on, the narrative, it says this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Not only is this one angel, then it's like, boom! These are lonely shepherds. And God is peeling back the veil of the heavenly realms to send these messengers. And the message results in praise of other angels. And he says, on earth, peace amongst those whom his, he is well pleased. This idea of peace, it is the Hebrew word for shalom. It is taking the broken pieces of our life and making them whole. Whole. It is bringing wholeness to the fracturedness that sin causes in our own life and in the fracturedness of the world. So here the angels are announcing and praise, wholeness is coming, the one who brings wholeness to our life. I don't know how many pieces your heart is fractured in and how much your mind is divided and fractured or how much you look at the world and you see the brokenness of the world and you long for wholeness, for the pieces to be put back together. And what this announcement is, is Jesus says, I see all the broken pieces of the world and the pottery that they are, and I bring wholeness. I take the broken pieces and make a beautiful mosaic to give glory to myself out of the brokenness of the world. And that is the news that is coming of the one who is to bring this peace. So would we behold, would we look into the one who brings wholeness to the fracturedness of our life? Would we press into that instead of pressing into anything else? But you know what? Just so you know, angels pale, pale in comparison to you and I. Angels were not created in the image of God. I've done a lot of funerals in my life, and some people just say certain things. And certain things at funerals, one people, people say is like, well, they're an angel now. They, people don't become angels, that is a demotion. Angels, it says in First Peter, long to look into the things that we do. and this news of the Savior, of the one who brings peace, the angels know in measure, but we understand in magnitude because of our brokenness and redemption that he brings to us. So don't be like, man, those angels, I wish I could be an angel. That's a demotion to you as one who's creating the image and likeness of God. They are mere messengers that raise up glory to God little side note there, that's free for you this morning. <laughs> so as they sit there, as the, the glory and the brightness and the coolness of night dies down and, and their eyes adjust to the, the stars flickering into the sky, and they go back to he- not hearing the, the angel announce the news, but they go back to hearing, bah, bah. and they go back to, oh man, when the angel appeared, where was that sheep? And, and then and they start moving around... What do the shepherds do? Do they go, man, I must have eaten chicken wings and I just had a vision. (laughs) What do these shepherds do once they experience this, once they are shocked out of the slumber of the routine of the night of watching the sheep? What do you do once you gaze upon the greatness and grandeur of Jesus and you ponder that? Do you sit still and be like, I guess I just got to go on to the next thing? No, what do we experience when we behold the wonder of Jesus and the greatness of a Christ, the Savior, the anointed one, the one who brings peace to the fracturedness of the world? What will they do? The text goes on. It says, when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, who made it known to them. They acknowledge that it is the Lord, the God, Yahweh of the Old Testament that has spoken through the angels. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. They went to see. This incredible news. We do this all the time. I heard about it. Google it. (laughs) That's our going and seeing. But they want to go and see. They don't just sit on this news and say, oh, this is good for ourselves. They want to investigate. They want to tactilely see. Is this news that we heard tangible? Is there one who is physically born? And so they make their way through the hills and the valleys of Israel over to Bethlehem, this one stoplight town where the king of the world is born unto us, God and Abad, the incarnation of God, in a cave filled with soot, manure on the floor, familiar territory to a shepherd. And they make their way to Bethlehem into this manger, to investigate. Most of the mangers that we have are like, oh, that's nice and clean. No, it is a soot-filled cave that they probably arrived to, and they investigate, and they look into. And when they saw it, it says, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They see it, then they share it they see it, and then they begin to interpret what this child is. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now this wonder, in some translation, is more amazed or wonderment. It is not this, huh, emoji. It is this, oh, emoji. It is this wonderment and amazement at seeing this sight that was behold and told them in, in, in the, out in the fields, and now they see this one. And Jesus is probably not glowing like light, a lightning bug. <laughs> he doesn't have a crown of lights and Star Wars lights and sabers around him. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> He's merely a human being wrapped in a cloth. He's not glowing He's not spectacular. He's not the prettiest baby they've ever seen. But the one who is the king of kings, the one who is going to bring peace to the fracturedness, the one who is going to save from Satan's sin, death, and our own flesh, is wrapped in this cloth. And as they spread the news, people were amazed. Now listen. Listen. Did the shepherds know everything about this Jesus? They didn't, but they knew something. And many of you have walked with Jesus, and you're like, I just need to know more information before I share about Jesus. You don't. If your life has been transformed, and you gaze and behold Jesus as your Savior, you know something. You don't have to know everything. You tell your story. They're telling their story of what they've heard and seen and their lives transform out of the slumber of their daily routine and the shock of the angels and this great news. And don't think that God can't use you because I'm not good enough, I'm not that. He used lowly shepherds to share a message of transformation. So as you go into your big push next Sunday, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can invite, I don't know if I can do it. You invite people to H2O that don't know Jesus. God can use you to transform and turn this world upside down for the message of Jesus. So leverage next Sunday H2O as you do your big push with the Christmas season. He can use you and wants to. You don't have to be a superstar. He used shepherds to share a message of transformation. But they share it and then it goes on and it says they celebrate it. In verse 19 it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in our heart. Kyle will unpack Mary's perspective in two weeks. Some people sit and ponder, but what do the shepherds do? They heard it and they see it and they share it. And then they celebrate it. It says this, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told. So they went glorifying. Now, I'm sure most of you are not going to go leave this building and be like, you know what, I'm just going to leave glorifying and praising God. Like, those are not phrases we use. We're like, I'm going to go get lunch. <laughs> I'm going to get in my car. But this is descriptive of their heart posture because of what they had seen and what they saw. What will propel you to be a man or woman that glorifies, meaning makes much of God in your life? Glorified is to magnify. And magnify is not to take that which is small and to make it bigger like a magnifying glass. To glorify is more like a telescope, to take that which is grand and glorious in the stars and to make it tangible here. That's what it means to glorify and to magnify, is to bring the grandness and greatness of God and to to give thanks to him. What will it take? It will take you and I sitting and being still and beholding the wonder of Christmas, of the Savior, of the anointed, as the one who brings peace, as the one who God a Abod, it was not spectacular, but it was simple in a manger, God becoming one of us. They went off praising, meaning giving thanks. And again, did they know the totality of everything? No. They knew something that propelled them to be people who were giving thanks and giving praise because of this Savior, this God becoming one of us. I don't even think they fully got it, and they probably didn't. But they knew something that propelled them to this place. So the big idea was this this morning. Looking at Christmas story, would you look at the Christmas story? Would you listen to the Christmas story? Would you be still and take time, even if it is absolutely familiar to you this Advent season, to sit still and to look into the story of what this is. And if you're here this morning and you're investigating and you're wondering and you've just come to ch- coming back to church this Christmas season, would you take a risk and to look at the book of Luke, chapter 2, and to look and read maybe for the first time, it's the second, third book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book <laughs> of the New Testament, And if you have a Bible and you haven't been familiar with it a while, you just kind of open it halfway and you kind of will find the New Testament. Go to the third book, Luke chapter 2, and read this story, maybe for the first time, tactilely and think, what really is this story? Look into it and investigate it so that you might behold, be in wonderment and amazement of what God did in bringing Jesus to become one of us. And would that looking and beholding, to some degree, shock you out of the slumber of the routine of the Christmas season, or the routine of your daily life, of waking up, brushing your teeth, hopefully you do, putting on deodorant, i hopefully you do, going to the next thing. That is our daily routine that we, many of us do, hopefully, we have, who have good hygiene. The routine that we go through, would we be kind of shocked out of that? and meditate and behold and experience maybe what the shepherds did and revisiting the news that one who is the Savior, one who is the anointed King of kings, the one who says, I want you to put your life under me, and the one who wants to put life back together in wholeness, came to earth to be one of us. Would you pray with me?